All right, coming up on this edition of Cougar Insiders Podcast, we, we talk about Jaron Hall, uh, what fans can expect from him, how big of a loss is that Zach Wilson for BYU. Um, we'll talk about BYU's inability to, to stop the run, uh, basketball, and a lot of other things here on this edition of Cougar Insiders Podcast. Welcome to another edition of uh, Cougar Insiders Podcast. I'm not Dick Harmon. I'm merely Brandon Gurney. I'm somehow employed by the Desert News. And with me, as always, we have Jeff Call, an esteemed journalist with years of experience, and Jay Drew, kind of the newbie. I always wanted to give hot takes, and he's he's employed as well by the Desert News. So how you guys doing? Doing great, Brandon. Doing great. Yeah. It's fun to have a bye week and uh, kind of get re-energized and ready to go for the kind of the second half of the season. Yeah, we're rejuvenated. Uh, we need that week off. Wow. I, <laughs> just to recalibrate, understand what, what happened at Toledo, and, and kind of look forward uh, to the rest of the season. And uh, Cougar Insiders Podcast uh, brought to you by Mr. Mac. Now's the time to get an unbeatable deal on men's long wearing fashion forward suits on sale at all Mr. Mac stores. Jay, uh, one thing that kind of came into view during Toledo was BYU's run defense. Not good. <laughs> there, there's a lot of stats that BYU's not securing a lot of three and outs, and, and you look at a porous run defense, that's that's kind of the culprit right there. Uh, not good on short yardage, not really good at anything. Uh, is it mostly scheme, personnel, or, or, or uh, you look at BYU pass defenses, even back in the day with Ken Schmidt, BYU always stopped the run on defense. So, so this is kind of the bizarro BYU defense that's not stopping the run but 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 also not allowing long deep passes, and it's kind of been the 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 opposite of that in 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 history. So so what are the reasons for that, Jay? If you could break that, yeah, down. that's a good question. I I would say it started in the Utah game. Zach Moss, everybody kind of attributed it to him breaking tackles and all that, and and uh, and then you know the next week Tennessee didn't have nearly the caliber of running back as Zach Moss, but they still put on a lot of yards. And then uh, it kind of got masked because BYU won that game. And then, you know, the next week, uh, USC, same thing. USC ran for fewer than 200 yards on the ground. So I think that was acceptable. And then uh, and then obviously Washington and, and the latest Toledo to, to go over the 200-yard mark. So it's just been a year-long problem. I think one of the biggest problems is the inability to contain the quarterback. The quarterback has killed BYU with scrambles, especially on third down. Toledo's quarterback, I can't pronounce his name, he did it time and again to him. So I would say that's the biggest culprit, is they're just getting dinged on third down by these failure to contain the quarterback. I think a lot of what we're seeing is is you're seeing a, a defensive system where they're making safeties into linebackers, linebackers into defensive linemen, which is all fine and good and really good for the pass defense by and large. But I think you're having a lot of inexperience at that linebacker position that it's really not trained to stop the run, fill those gaps. I, I remember talking to Tuiaki at uh, Media Day, and, and you'd think inside backer was a big concern, but he, the impression I got was kind of, well, yeah, we can just fit some guys in, drop them and all that, which is fine and good until teams figure out, yeah, maybe we can gash these guys. Are you seeing that, Jeff? Do you think it's a result of, of just, just not having that Cameron Jensen, that Wani Unga type that can just really be stout against the run? Yeah, 
Yeah, I do. I think if you look at the the linebacker core, I mean, there's a lot of young guys out there playing. I mean, you got Tyler Algier, and you got a guy like Kavika Fanua who's played well this year. But I mean, as far as playing linebacker, he's relatively inexperienced. And on top of that, you're lo- you lose a guy like Zane Anderson for the season, which is a big blow for this defense. I look at it as a lot of guys just trying to figure things out, trying to learn on the job, and that's a that's a lot to ask. Uh, a group of guys to do in the middle of the season. Yeah, there's some good young talent, but but again, it's really, really young and inexperienced talent. You have four inside backers. This is their first year playing. Um, a, a lot of them the first time playing at, really at inside backer. So it's it's a lot to, to to digest, and we're seeing some some holes there, and maybe the bye week's going to really help with that. But I think that's that's kind of an underrated aspect is just filling a gap, shedding a block. It, it, it's kind of taken for granted with most linebackers, but when you have a kid that's learning how to play linebacker, I think that's a hurdle they need to overcome but uh obviously the big news today is, is jaron hall um it, it's been the news since, since uh the the end of the toledo game uh who this guy is and i think a lot of fans just seeing how BYU's used him you think he's a gadget player he's kind of that gadget guy that goes in and isn't a classic quarterback but having seen him play in high school he very he very much is a guy that that that's focused on dropping back and being a, a more traditional quarterback that maybe he's been utilized so far. Are you seeing that as well, Joe? Yeah, I mean, I didn't see him much in high school, but I did see a ton of him, obviously, during the spring. And I have to say, I was really impressed with what I saw from him. We all know he's a great athlete, two-sport guy, very good at, uh, I mean, very fast, quick. He's got all those intangibles. And I think... Seeing him in, the, like, for example, the spring game, and granted, it's a spring game. You don't read too much into it. But I was just really impressed with his decision-making, his ability to uh, know when to take off downfield and things like that. And he's got a very good arm. So, you know, I I fully expect Jaron Hall to do well moving forward. Um, I think he's going to be kind of guy that can rally the guys around him and uh, make the guys around him better. And I think that's what you want in a quarterback. What struck me about the media session we just had with Jaron, uh, I don't know, just like a half hour ago, is he was very succinct and not really going to elaborate much on his answers but I, but I thought his most interesting answer was when someone uh, asked him about just playing that one series at quarterback and 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 just how that helped and and, and, and it kind of struck me he, he kind of thought about it was like yeah I needed that did you get that same impression Jay Drew as the one who asked that question yes I thought that was huge well Jay Drew asked that, that he question. said I thought Jay. he said I've thought about that a lot and and you could tell I think the whole team gained confidence in him. I think the the team goes into this game. I think they probably had confidence before, but he literally backed up the talk with that pretty good series, except for that obviously they ran out of time and had to throw deep on the end there. But yeah, I think that was huge. And I think I think it was huge for the whole team. And I also think uh, one factor that Jaron has going for him this week is that, that South Florida doesn't have film on him. They only have, whatever, seven passes, and they can't go back to his high school days because that was three years ago. (laughs) So uh, it's going to be hard um, for them to kind of do that. So I think Jaron is going to flourish his first game. I think the second game where they play Boise State, where there's a whole game of film on him, is going to be more difficult. BYU is going to have to kind of come up with some new wrinkles for him because they're not going to be able to catch Boise State off guard. And I I think that's a factor in Jaron's favor this week. Yeah, the really good thing is that they had this week off to to kind of acclimate him and, and whatnot, and then the opponent, South Florida, not good. It's not a good 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 opponent, but you look at South Florida, and I, I was on Twitter, and I was thinking, oh, they're not going to lose to South Florida. They're garbage. They're they're not good and all that. And, and well, what about East Carolina? I think, oh, 
Yeah, that's a good point. East Carolina, is it? That's a that's a conclusion a lot of people would draw. To. Jay, could you like just speak on that? What do you know about South Florida, and, and what do you expect BYU to get done in this game? Well, I think South Florida winning at UConn convincingly, 48-22 on Saturday, was huge for that program. Momentum is huge in college football. Confidence is a big factor in college football. And South Florida, those guys probably think they can beat BYU now. If they had lost to UConn, I would say they would be a demoralized football team. But wins can really inject a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm into a program. So I think that really will have a factor Saturday. And I expect a a dogfight. I don't think BYU is going to go in there and roll over them. BYU is 0-7 in the state of Florida. They're not very good generally in Eastern time zone games, particularly Eastern time zone games played in in the day. So I, I think there are a lot of factors that point towards South Florida being a very good opponent this week. Jeff, you traveled a lot, seen, seen a lot of BYU games on the road. How do you see this game shaping up? What do you know about South Florida? What can cause BYU some problems? Yeah, I, like Jay, I mean, we've made a lot of trips to that Eastern time zone with this team and seen BYU just lose a lot of games for a variety of reasons. A lot of it's, you know, the, the record in Florida, you have to look back and I mean, some of those teams BYU played, I mean, very good team, Miami, Florida State, things like that. So those those make sense. But I just think that at this point in the season, this this is a huge game for BYU. No one looked at this game and circled on the calendar before the season. But where BYU sits right now, this is about as close to a must win as BYU can see, have this year. Because if they don't win this game, you've got Boise State and Utah State back to back. And then you really start to wonder, is this team going to get bull eligible? And this is a game that, uh, that BYU should win. They're a better team, but when you factor in the travel and and um, you know playing on the East Coast and things like that, never having won in the state of Florida before, I mean that's a lot of stuff piling up that kind of uh, makes you wonder what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, I I again look at this game. This is a huge game for BYU. They've got to win this. My my thing with with South Florida is is I don't think BYU is really focused on what its strengths should be so far this year. And I think with a team like South Florida, you just line up. We're bigger than you are. We're older than you are <laughs> we're gonna out physical you we're gonna line it up and, and just try and stop it quit being cute on offense a, a lot of the gadget plays they work but but I, I think there's too many deep passes i think they're not relying on what should be the strength soup should be running at 20 times lapini 15 times line it up accentuate your your strengths that you should have and and, and just beat these guys convincingly is, is what i think be what you need to get get done in this game what kind of game do you see jay what's your prediction yeah i thought you know i was almost certain you know would have picked byu until last week until south florida showed pretty well i know uconn's not a very good team but i still think byu pulls this one out i think uh if you need a score i think it's going to be a a high scoring game i think byu's defense is not good right now when they've lost like jeff said all those guys to injury and they're young linebacker so i'm going to say byu 35 south florida 31 what about you jeff yeah, I see a similar type of scenario. I think 31-27, I think BYU will pull it out. I think I think these guys will feel a sense of urgency how important this game is. They may not admit it to us, but I think they really feel that this is a game they got they got to win. I think they'll do it. I think uh I think the special teams will be better. I think Jake Oldroy will be back to his old self. I think he was a little under the weather last uh, a couple weeks ago. It's 
Toledo. And so I, yeah, I think BYU pulls, pulls this thing out. I'm going to make a note to myself. When I'm running the thing and asking you guys questions, I need to give my prediction first. So it looks like you guys are copying me instead of the other <laughs> way around. But but yeah, I'm, I mean, just like Jay and Jeff think it's going to be high scoring. BYU needs to, South Florida gives up 37 points per game. BYU's got to score 37 points. Right, you have to score at least over thirty points. This offense needs to get it done. It needs to be that machine, and I think I think the offense is able to put up points. But like Jay said, I I don't have confidence in BYU's defense at this point of the year. And I I think BYU's going to win this one, forty-two to thirty-five. How about that? There you go. Again, uh, Mr. Mack, if if you think you've had great prices before, then brace yourself. Buy one suit for $299. Get the second suit for just $1 right now at Mr. Mack. That's right. Buy one for $299 in the second suit, just $1 at Mr. Mack. Great deal. Go down to Mr. Mack. Make yourself look good. Mr. Mack has worked with leading manufacturers on on a special purchase of over 5,000 suits in a wide range of sizes, colors, and fit. Come check out the latest fashion colors and patterns now on sale at, at MrMac.com. With suit sizes starting at 36 and going up to size 56, it's an unbeatable value on classic or slim fit suits. Now, while supplies lost at Mr. Mac, buy one for $299 and get the second one for just $1. Remember, no one buys, no one sells, and no one cares the way we do. Absolutely no one. Anyway, Jeff, you just got back from Las Vegas. I uh, was there for uh, the West Coast Conference uh, Basketball Media Day. The man, I, I went to the availability for the women. I could probably chime in a little bit on that. But what were your impressions from, from there and uh, just this BYU's basketball team? Well, uh, my impression is, uh, you know, if you know anything about Mark Pope, that he's ever the opposite. Optimist. He always looks at the bright side no matter what's happening. And there's been so many things have happened recently, as we know, uh, with this basketball program, with injuries, with Yoli's suspension. The latest, of course, is Gavin Baxter in his shoulder, most likely out for the year. And uh, Mark Pope in his first year is kind of trying to circle their wagons and rally the troops, all those cliches, and and put a good spin on it that uh, you know they can learn from this experience. These guys will you know make the most of what they do have, and they will rely on each other. And I think as I kind of look at it, I mean, again, not having Yoli for those first nine games, it's going to be the season going to come down to how well can they play in March. I mean, it's probably their their chance to get into the tournament is probably to come down to can they do something they've never done before and win the West Coast Conference tournament. And they're, I think everything's got to point to that. They've got to build and work together. They're going to have to play a different style of basketball because they're going to be so small without uh, Gavin and Yoli for those, and Yoli for those first few games. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it, uh, how it plays out. Jay, just how big of an injury is this to, to BYU basketball? Where you have to think it's not just like oh yeah now they have that guy. It's like oh what are they going to do in that front court? You have to be creative. How big of a thing is this? Well, it's huge because we talked about before, especially bef- until Yoli comes back how weak they are and thin they are inside with uh, Kobe Lee now. And uh, to lose another big guy is just really, really damaging. Uh, just I don't think you can understate it. I mean, overstate it. Uh, I think it's huge and it's it's going to be difficult. And if I was Mark Pope, I might jump onto the football team and see if any of these big guys like Blake Freeland Blake and Freeland. there's other big guys, maybe see if you can find a diamond in the rough like the Kafusi brothers yeah. were uh, because they look really thin inside for sure. 
Yeah, it's, it's man, what an unfortunate circumstance. And it just seems like injuries and BYU athletics just go hand in hand these days. I just got back from the girls' team. I, I thought this girls' team was poised to make at least the Sweet 16 this year with Shaylee Gonzalez, who was just an amazing player. And her getting uh, injured, the, the ACL, I mean, wow, what a step back. I still think BYU women's basketball is going to be a good product, but not what it probably should have been uh, heading into this year. So anyway, I guess that's my final thought. You guys got anything else? Any words of wisdom? Any hot takes? Or well, just on you know going back to the injuries, it's pretty remarkable in the Independence era. Now BYU just can't get through a season without a quarterback. Last year's change wasn't due to an injury, but it seems like most years during Independence, for whatever reason, they've just had just been snake bit with injuries, and happens over and over and over again. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised that uh, Jaron Hall is the man at this point. Just the the fact that uh, you know this might be a blessing in disguise for BYU. As far as the quarterback thing, get Jaron Hall some, you know, some experience. Maybe against uh, as the schedule is a, a little bit easier. There are some, you know, drawbacks to traveling back east and all that. So today, Kalani said that uh, this injury to to Zach is not season ending. So you know, maybe he'll be back uh, in time for the last couple of games of the season. Maybe the bowl game if they get to one. So who knows? But I but I think it's a great opportunity for Jaron Hall, and I'm really uh, interested to see how he how he does. My final take is I predicted 42-35 win for BYU. It needs to be more than that. This team needs to put out the narrative that it can beat up on these these guys. I mean, South Florida is not a good football team. I mean, UConn, come on. They beat UConn, so what? UConn's awful. South Florida's awful. BYU's a team that should handle these guys. I've put forth the narrative that, that Toledo was a blip on the radar, and Toledo's much better than South Florida. I think we can all agree on that. But BYU needs to do what it can and just show these fans that, yeah, we're back. We're not this bad team. We're not even this mediocre team. We can beat up on these guys. I don't know if they can get it done. I think it might be too much to ask just, just with the injuries and everything we've discussed, but that's what needs to happen in my mind for BYU to put forth a productive narrative for, for the rest of these year and particularly entering games against Boise State and Utah State. That's my final take. And a special thanks to Mr. Mack. Wow, what a deal they got going there. Buy one suit for $299 and the second one for just $1. Anyway, good stuff, guys. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Cougar Insider Podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week. 